0: We're workplace caregiver advocates, and we provide practical and inspirational training for working caregivers through the companies they work for. I'm Debbie Howard, and I'm a caregiver advocate, a market researcher, and a yoga enthusiast. I'm Jonathan Brody. I'm a gerontologist who has worked in global healthcare for over 20 years, launching both pharmaceuticals and devices for adults, as well as being a caregiver for my family as well.
1: I'm Tanya Krim, market researcher, gerontologist, caregiver, long distance, because my parents are in London. I'm also a coffee and chocolate lover. Our mission at Caregiver Camp's podcast is to expand the boundaries of thinking around where and how companies can support their caregiving employees. We hope you enjoy this episode today.
0: Hi, I'm Debbie Howard, your host for this episode of Caregiver Camp podcast. And I'm here today with our guest, Stella Lupishore. Founder at Reframe Work, a New York based consultancy that specializes in workplace experience transformation through the use of human centered design, technology, and people analytics. Welcome, Stella. So great to have you here with us today. Thrilled to be here. Thank you for
1: the opportunity.
0: Just a little about Stella before we get started. Our guest today is a thought leader, speaker, educator, and futurist on a mission to humanize the workplace. She works with Fortune 500 companies on building global workforce strategies specifically in the area of workplace experience. Before founding Reframe Work, Stella transformed workplaces at Fidelity, TIAA, IBM, and Price Waterhouse, working at the intersection of technology, analytics, and HR. Stella also founded the nonprofit called Amazing Community, which focuses on extending the work horizon for women. She also teaches the next generation of HR leaders for NYU. Again, welcome, Stella. Glad to be here. Let's start with a little bit about your work in workplace transformation, Stella. I know you've been watching the trends in this area for quite some time. What would you say are the one to two most important trends right now when it comes to workplace transformation?
1: There are a couple. Well, of course, there are many of uh, gifts in a way that pandemic brought to the workplace. But there are two that I'm fascinated about and uh, really think it's a welcome change one we recognized that a lot of the work can be done in a distributed fashion and it's a it's a variety of things that drove to to this point on one side we have a lot more sophisticated technology we have the bandwidth that allows us to use that technology we have the uh, home environment that allows us to work out of anywhere, in essence, or, you know, the equipment that allows us to do that. And I think the acknowledgement of the leaders and organizations that actually you don't have to be physically, you know, nine to five, five days a week in a physical space for you to get the work done. So there is a a recognition that what we hire, the physical space for is changing. And in a way, it's really empowering people to have more flexibility, to have more time at home to spend with their loved ones, to get the work done at the schedule and the time of the day when they have the energy, interest and mental capacity to do it.
0: So flexibility, flexibility Absolutely. and remote work. Yes.
1: The other part is really took a lot of people to uh, recognize and be comfortable to share the impact of all of these distributed hybrid remote work on their mental health. So I feel it's a positive destigmatization of the mental health issues. And now there's a lot more acknowledgement that yes, humans do have different needs and they need to disconnect occasionally and they need to have a sense of belonging to uh, their team and their work environment. But at the same time, it's becoming more okay to speak about it, which I think is a really welcome change and it's important for organizations to start looking at the humans holistically, not as an input into their work process or you know an asset, so to speak. They are unique in their capabilities, in their energy levels, and their preferences, and we need to accept them for the brilliance they bring to the workplace.
0: I love that. And I, I love your term positive destigmatization yes. of mental health in the workplace <laughs> and looking at individuals. That's, that's really a, a hopeful, hopeful trend. I've been doing a lot of research on this area and we hear a lot about employee experience and then we hear the term workforce experience and also workplace experience. So I thought you would be the best person to help us demystify how those terms came to be and how should we think about using them going forward?
1: As with any new emerging uh, fields, it will take time for the actual name to settle but regardless of the fact, I think we bring the word experience into the workplace as a welcome trend, and welcome change. If we think about how consumer experience got transformed through the use of technology, through the use of personalization, through the use of design thinking, and we as consumers expect that type of experience. And For a long period of time, HR was not in that space (laughs) and with more expectations from the workforce uh, to have better experience at work. And now is a lot of these technologies that are becoming available. I think that field of experience uh, design comes into the world of HR which is about time, Uh, we spend most of our daily or hours in the day at work, we may as well have a good experience while doing that work. When it comes to the differences, there is a lot more publications and experts out there and people who are speaking about the employee experience. And it is really about how workers are experiencing their workplace. Sometimes it's used interchangeably to... I reflect the employee engagement survey results. So it can be sometimes just a simple replacement of the term. But more and more, I see a lot of organizations really focusing on the holistic experience, putting in place different uh, listening instruments and surveys and polls and to gather the insights on how employees perceive their work environment and what are the opportunities for change. The Reason I don't think employee experience is inclusive as a term, it is because more likely than not will not include people who are contractors, who are freelancers, so non-traditional workers. And that's about half of our workforce in the in the US, right? Correct. Mm -hmm. So it's a good place to start with, right? Have an employee experience, uh, conversation and interventions. But as you progress through the journey, as you mature, your abilities start thinking holistically, because workforce can take different shapes and forms. And this may be um, not only your regular employees and contingent, but it can be crowdsourcing experiences, right? You may engage your clients and providing you with different input and and ideas. Uh, You can have digital labor, right? A lot of the chatbots are doing the work right now. So how can you look holistically at the definition of your workforce and then consider that experience for each of the kinds? The workplace experience in my definition is, again, redefining what the workplace really is. Traditionally, we think workplace, either a physical office or a remote. So that digital uh, work mm-hmm. environment and you naturally would have uh, real estate space planning, uh, individuals and experts planning your physical space and you have IT dealing with the digital workplace. As we are moving to this distributed and hybrid and uh, remote ways of working, it is becoming more important to think holistically about the workplace, and it's more the integration of the two. And when we can look at that experience from the uh, worker perspective, it may require different infrastructure, different type of personalization, analytics to inform how that experience needs to be shaped. So no longer it is kind of a binary decision, but it's it's an integrated experience. And I think that's where HR can really have a pivotal role to influence that conversation across multiple functions that shape that experience.
0: I see. And it's, it's so interesting what you say, because I'm sure many of these trends were in place anyway. But then, of course, the pandemic has just put us all into an experimentation phase and companies must be really grappling with how to re-engineer their workplaces, I would say.
1: Absolutely. I almost feel that there is a, a perfect time to do a natural experiment. So if you think about all the people who were hired and uh, operating in the organizations before the pandemic, right, they have networks, they know how things work, mm-hmm. they have connections, they just have to adapt to this, you know, we don't meet in person type of reality. Then there was a, a whole group of people who were hired during the pandemic. So yes. Experience and integration and building relationships and all of the things that you learn by osmosis was very different absolutely <laughs> and as we start thinking what this next reality might look like in the post-pandemic world we almost feel like we need a, a new orientation for everyone to come together to re-imagine reconnect to re establish new norms. So it's a fascinating time in history, and I think we're so lucky to have this front seat uh, to observe a lot of these changes.
0: Yes, I absolutely agree. So going back to the importance of mental health in the workplace, and I very much appreciate your mentioning the the, the viewpoint of looking at individuals holistically and taking into everything into account of what, we are experiencing in our lives in addition to our work here at caregiver camp podcast we're very focused on the well-being of working caregivers as you and i have discussed and of course they often suffer from stress and overload and many times clinical depression so i'm really really interested to talk with people like you who are out in the world in the wider world and and i'm wondering you know, what are you hearing about supporting working caregivers these days?
1: U.S., I think, is a bit behind uh, in terms of the rest of the world supporting caregivers. And one evidence of that, of course, is the mass exodus of women from the labor force. Yes. And they had to figure out how to not only do their day job, but then homeschool and care for others at home who were sick or needed other support. So. Many of them said, look, I, this is not worth it. I will just focus on the primary interests or, uh, of my home life. And therefore, they will more likely than not also not rush back into uh, the labor force.
0: I, I've heard there's going to be a two-year lag for women getting back into the workforce in, at the same level
1: where we were compared to men. And just think about all the progress we've attempted to make in terms of pay equity and opportunities and access. And because all of this has downstream impact on the social security and uh, our other benefits that we uh, gain as a result of being in the labor market. And it'll be even more difficult to catch on on that. However, this is not the biggest issue, right? Bringing back women is just one part of the problem. We also need to shed a bigger light on all the caregivers. Mm-hmm. Uh, traditionally, organizations, when they think about providing benefits and providing support, they mostly think of women who have stepped out to uh, have children and, and retaining them or bringing them back. We rarely think of all of the other population in the labor force who needs to care for their aging parents or loved ones there is a lot of uh, people who got sick at home with the COVID who are having long COVID as well Mm -hmm. all of those are caretaking responsibilities that many times we don't acknowledge we don't uh, have benefits for we don't cover it's somewhat of a unspoken rule that you just figure it out how you're going to deal with it and I think it's with population aging and people living longer, most of us will experience the need to care for others. So I think organizations really need to start paying attention to those needs, and not only through benefits and formal uh, offerings, but also educating the managers, educating the teams that there are Things that may require attention, you may need to take your loved one to a doctor's visit, providing the flexibility back again to the word of uh, that flexibility is going to be critical. Uh, You need to have that empathy to to support people, whatever they are, and allow them to deal with the circumstances of their lives as as they need.
0: Nothing has shown us how important that is, like the pandemic, that is for sure. And it's not over yet. So I'm glad to hear that there's more attention on it. And at least if we can have the discussion, then we can get into this idea of there are many different kinds of caregivers for sure. Great. Well, tell us a little bit, Stella. I I don't know about your amazing community, and I didn't have a chance to check it out online in in advance. So please forgive me for that. Please tell us about your amazing community.
1: Absolutely. It is one of those projects that started as a crazy idea. Um, A few years ago, I stumbled upon an article that completely made me sit straight. And in essence, it was saying that half of the long-term unemployment in the U.S. are women between 55 and 65. And as somebody who is straddling both you know, analytics, people, analytics, HR, uh, paying attention to different demographic trends. Like this this makes no sense. How is that possible? But of course, when you start thinking about how we look at the labor market, right? Anyone over 65, it's not included really. We don't, you know, we assume that age group above 65, it's kind of one this big continuous and people fall off the cliff once they reach there. Yes, in the past, in the past, past, exactly. The other part is by 55, you can easily see how many women have possibly stepped out of the labor force for caregiving responsibility for all sorts of reasons. Or they may have uh, had their children leave the house, or maybe they have divorced, or maybe they lost their their partner. For whatever reason, many women would choose to return back into the labor force after their, their 50s. And having been in HR all my life, I've seen how a woman over 50 with career gaps, with many pivots, just because they had to make those decisions throughout the lifetime, will not be considered as a top candidate on hiring. Mm -hmm. They may may not, not even get a response from the recruiter. Even during the interview, more likely than not, they may not necessarily be perceived as somebody who is agile and eager and wants to dive into the labor force. So I could easily see how we as a society are really impeding the financial security of a very narrow segment, it's, it's a shame because a lot of this, all of us, I'm part of that generation. We have talents, we have skills, we have resilience, we've managed projects, we've managed uh, things at home. So it's a, it's a wonderful source of talent that may not necessarily have the business network to re-enter the labor market or may not necessarily have the latest skills that companies are looking Uh for, but they need to be given a chance. So I thought, all right, I will uh, organize a job fair, raise awareness and solve the problem. And obviously it became very quickly obvious that the problem is so much bigger and it's right. a societal conversation that needs to take place. and on one side, organizations have the opportunity to really look at age as a as a new dimension for uh, different policies and diversity programs um because it's not just a woman issue it's in general it's an ageism uh that is really pervasive uh in many organizations we're hearing the the word ageism so much more frequently
0: now which i'm very very pleased about since i'm also of a certain age and and i i very much hear what you're saying and these women in that age group also will be living longer Absolutely. so the chances of them living 20, 30, 40 more years is
1: actually pretty good. Absolutely. And I'm so glad you, you said that because that's a big point that we're trying to make is they have made all the right choices. They stepped mm-hmm. out to care for kids. They negotiated and more flexibility at the expense of better income. They didn't accept that promotion just because they said, I'm supporting my spouse career. And we end up at this stage where our social security more likely than not will be smaller just because of this party income history. Yes, Our savings, we may outlive not only our partners, but our savings as well. Mm -hmm. So in a way, if we as a society don't do anything uh, about this segment, we're pushing a big part of our population into poverty. And the caregiving piece is another piece of that, because we know
0: statistically that when people caregive, they are financially disadvantaged for the long term. There are some very good numbers on that. Exactly. Or bad and, numbers.
1: <laughs> and even looking at the exodus of women right now, yes. I'm thinking a lot of them will begin to experience similar type of challenges as they try to re-enter. So it is perfect time to start engaging in dismantling this last ism the ageism. I think we're doing great uncovering and dealing with a lot of the other isms that we have in a society and I think ageism is the last one probably uh, that Mm -hmm. will take time to address. Mm -hmm. So from amazing community perspective we believe technology is a superpower that we have not only for us as women to keep ourselves educated on what is happening in uh, in, uh, different discovery and different innovation, but how we can transition our talents to these new spaces. Technology allows us to create new companies, maybe new products. It allows us to connect with others better. It allows us to gain new employment in new fields. So to us, our mission is to really expand the work horizon for women over 45. And uh, we do that by creating different uh, resources, by studying technology together, by providing inspiring and supportive community. Because many times we need to feel that we're not alone on this journey. Yeah, so, Yes, that's, that's what the amazing community is all about. Okay well we will
0: definitely include the information f- as to how listeners can reach you and amazing community and of course reframe work. I wonder, is there any way that companies can tap into your amazing community members if they are recruiting or open-minded to to look for
1: older female employees? Absolutely. We do have a job circle or a job and work oh. circle. Okay. So we have women who are looking to enter the labor market with specific skills and uh, specific expertise. So uh, anyone who is interested to tap into a mature and uh, well-educated community, let us know. We also help women pivot into new directions. So we provide a lot of the education in the top five in demand uh, skills, such as Digital marketing, data science, uh, user experience, design, et cetera. So that's another source of trained individuals who may consider a pivot in their career. And then the third persona is speaking user design Uh uh, mindset. Uh Uh, We also focus on entrepreneurs. So those who want to start their own business and uh, pursue an entrepreneurship or solopreneurship.
0: Okay. That sounds great. I'm really excited to check it out online. And I know that you have a survey in the field right now. And being a market researcher, of course, I'm very interested in what your current survey is, You know what you're looking to find out about
1: the horizon of workplace experience. I'm so glad that we have the opportunity to talk about this. So this is the second study that we're doing. So the first one was focused on defining workplace experience what is and how organizations can rethink uh, that experience for their workers the second study what we want to dig under is the shifting employment value proposition mm-hmm. so we typically would think of for the most part you know the monetary rewards you know you have benefits you have compensation you have access to discounts increasingly as we saw through the pandemic there there's so much complexity behind those expectations and what people come to work for differs depending on your life stage depending on your circumstances your abilities interests whatever it is in in your um, life aspiration Mm -hmm. so our hypothesis is that people value different things and increasingly it's becoming more about the ability of organizations to provide tailored uh, mm. offerings. So some people want to have just a simple day at work and for the systems to work and to have the access to whatever they need. But more so, people want to work in a, a company that have a high Ethical standards yes. uh, provides transparency, provides opportunity to grow your network, grow your skills, have an impact on the environment, uh, have the ability to leave a legacy, uh, have the ability for self transcendence. Whatever it is, that it's a, it's a lot individual. harder
0: work these days for
1: companies <laughs> to meet all of our uh, exactly. our, our needs, isn't it? Exactly. So that's what the survey is all about. How can we understand what people prioritize right now? Because it's definitely changed over the course of pandemic.
0: Yes, yes. Well, that that sounds great. We're really looking forward to seeing your key takeaways from that survey. And I'd like to remind our listeners that you can still participate in the survey and we'll have the information right in the show notes for you.
1: So I guess you'll be live until late August or so. It till about mid-September. So we, we want to make sure we give plenty of time to capture, especially as people start re-entering the post-summer, the, the workplace and whatever that imagined new experience would look like.
0: Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Stella. I was so excited to hear about all you're working on and especially that companies are looking a little more deeply into lifespan culture in particular, because that's near and dear to the heart's of all of us here at Caregiver Camp Podcast. We appreciate all the gems you've shared with us and all that you do in this landscape of supporting companies in their efforts to transform their workplace experiences. And as fellow advocates in improving the caregiving ecosystem for the better, we understand the huge challenge for companies, for society, and for governments worldwide. It's a challenge that requires long-term commitment and, frankly, inputs from many, many perspectives. So we're really happy to have yours today, Stella. Considering the magnitude of the challenge, we're asking each of our amazing guests to share one tip for our listeners.
1: Stella, do you have a tip for us today? I do. I believe we have a unique opportunity to make a positive change. So the tip is do not waste this opportunity right now, but more importantly, start as empathy. I think we've seen the complexity of change. We've seen the need for human to be at the center of of the design of the transformation. So empathy is really the way to start. I love that, that's great.
0: Well, thank you again so much for joining us, Stella. The world of work, including the support of working caregivers, is definitely a better place with you in it. Together, we've
1: got this. Thank you so much for the opportunity. It was such a pleasure to speak with you. Thank you again.
0: Thanks so much for joining us today. This is Debbie Howard. This is Tanya Krim. And I'm Jonathan Brody. We are the hosts of Caregiver Camp's podcast, Please feel free to share our podcast and consider joining us for new perspectives in creating more productive, caregiver-friendly workplaces. Come visit us at caregivercamps.com to learn more about how we can help your company. Thanks so much for listening. See you next time at Caregiver Camps Podcast.